0: Thank you, Father, for this good day. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, for calling us and giving us the privilege of being in community with each other and with you. And pray that tonight as we train together, we would train for your glory and for the good of those we lead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of calendar things. Uh, Leader dinner is going to be January 20, 7 o'clock to 8.30, and spouses are invited. No childcare. Um, we're going to have dinner and have fun that's the that's the goal and we've moved we used to do it at christmas time but christmas calendar real estate is tight so we moved it to january where hardly thing going on and then the and then leadership community will be march 26th this is a uh, this was this afternoon um, y'all know linda and her her son's been bringing her to church but she moved to a new home about two miles from here out of the timbers she's in the timbers for i don't know 20 years or more moses died eight years ago this spring and we just had a great visit but um she's she's adjusting over there and so if if any of you guys know linda gals i know i know some um at least one um tracy goes over every other week but if anybody knows linda and just wants to go by it'd just be a great thing to do Pretty easy, to, pretty easy to do, and, we, and you can um, call the office, we'll get you the, her um, address and location, but just go by and hang out with her. We went to a little, the little library, we closed the door, and um, I said, how's it going over here? And she cried for about five minutes, so, <laughs> but I'll tell you the, the good side is she said, um, um, she said, I wanted to talk to you about my obituary. And she goes, I I think the Lord's going to leave me around for a long time, but I want to talk to you about it and, and what, what I want to, you know, what I want you to say. And I said, okay, that's great. And then she goes, she goes, I can't wait so I can, um, bow my knee to Jesus because she can't bow her knees. So anyway, it was really cool. So we're going to, we're going to do some training. Um, these are, these are images that communicate different ideas about what leadership is, um, all of them probably make some sense to you, except for the, the Lego Abraham Lincoln. That one may not make any sense to you. But talent, um, hard work, um, the, the knife with all the skills. Um, is it nature, nurture? You've heard all those. Anybody guess what the Abe Lincoln represents? Theories of leadership. Physical traits. He was tall. And so some people say leadership is tied to physical traits, which is really dumb. Um, because you know, one of the, we've all known lots of leaders, really good leaders. I, had a, I knew a, one of the better leaders in the Air Force who was, I stood about this tall. But these are just different ideas about what makes a leader a leader. And is it, the argument, is it something you're born with, something that you grow into? Is it the result of talent or hard work? And it's, apart from physical traits, it's all those things. And mentoring as part of what we're doing is, as leaders is we're trying to reproduce leaders, and so we want to understand what are the factors in leadership and how do we help develop leaders. So we're trying to develop leaders for the church and laborers for the harvest. And so we believe leadership is something obviously that can be de- developed; that it, our choices do matter, and not just that, but it has to be developed. And so I'm gonna we're gonna talk some about. Um, something I've mentioned in, in church and in the literacy community before, but it's going to come from Friedman's book, um, A Failure of Nerve. And I'm not recommending the book. The book is a slog, and if, if you've read it before, you know there's a, it's got a lot of, a lot of stuff in it that's not that helpful, but the, the kernel of the book I, f- I have found to be enormously helpful and practical and then in the last few months, as I've talked to other pastors and, and, and leaders in community or the military or in our church, this, this, his, his theme of being a differentiated leader has, has really risen to the top of being something really important for us to think about. And so what I, what I want to do is wrestle with this a little bit, help, help us think about it together. And then um, the goal is not to be able to go away and quote Friedman, which to be a, a really terrible and dumb goal. The goal is to, is to think about our leadership, think about how we think and how we respond, and to think about it specifically in terms of this category of how can we be people who are truly God-pleasers, growing and being God-pleasers, connected to people, but our own, our own selves, our own faithful selves. And that's a, a really difficult challenge. So Friedman said that leadership... One part of leadership is an emotional process of regulating one's own anxiety. And we'll talk about what that means. Is, is um, you can be really smart, you can be really skilled, you can have a lot of leadership traits, but if you don't manage your own anxiety, if you don't keep yourself from getting sucked into the anxiety of people around you, that's gonna undermine your leadership. Just two weeks ago, I saw from a local level, I saw a local leader in the Air Force get the brunt of, of really what I thought was bad leadership from some, I don't know, well I know one of them, but I don't know most of these people, people with a lot of rank, a lot of skill, but really bad leadership because they were uh, looking at a problem and not looking at it with, with good leadership. They were looking at it through anxiety and through blaming and the outcomes have just not been good. It's always shocking, you know, as you when you're younger, as you 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 think people who are running things are all squared away. You know, the 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 generals are squared away, and the doctors are squared away, and they all are, Greg, right? And um, and every, everybody who's kind of in charge is squared away, and it's it's shocking as you get old and you get to know all these people, and you realize they're no more squared away than you are. And so. Um, but we can be people who learn to not get sucked into the anxiety of people around us in order to better lead them so Friedman talks about self differentiating he talks about he uses the model of cell biology and that's a heart cell and it's a a heart cell is an autonomous thing it is it's its own little entity but it only is able to survive as a part of the organ the heart organ and and Whenever a cell or a part of the body loses that that's autonomy, its self-differentiating capacity, it stops knowing where it ends. Another cell begins. Then it becomes diseased. And so he's using this model to talk about how, as leaders, and I and this and by the way, this training applies. I'm convinced in your group life, in your family life, in your work life, everywhere you go. It's a very difficult and important. Um, ability to grow in your, in your staying connected to people and being differentiated. I am my own self and staying faithful to yourself. So he says a differentiated person using that, that cell can remain connected without losing their identity and taking on the emotional anxiety of others. And so if you say, well, I don't want to become emotionally detached that's not connected, is it? This is not about becoming emotionally attached. This is, not, this is about not absorbing the anxiety of people around you. And he, ta- and he dealt with people, Friedman, when he was alive, dealt with um, the, the Pentagon-level people and down to families. He counseled families, synagogues, churches, businesses. And he said, perpetually anxious organizations cater, defer, to the least emotionally healthy person in the organization. And so if you've been in a family or an organization like that, we, I had my, my older brother's first wife was mentally ill, and, she, and the tendency was when she came in the room, everybody began to cater to her, and, which meant uh, nobody got to have a fun holiday <laughs> or whatever it was. And we realized we can't do this. It's not good for her, not good for us. And so on a lesser scale, the same thing can happen in group life where where the least emotionally healthy person is not, not, not that we don't love them, but they don't get to set the temperature for the whole group. And so a differentiated leader can take a well-defined and even unpopular stand while remaining connected in meaningful ways. So that's, as you know, since you guys are, have been around for a little while, you know how that simple statement is enormously hard to pull off. So think about situations you've been in either in workplace or maybe sports teams, where leaders reflected the emotions around them. They were more emotional thermometers rather than being emotional thermostats. And think about what that did to the organization. Think about what it did to the the group or the church or the family or whatever. So we're going to look at a parable. It's a a famous parable. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And so just, just so you know, the parables are... Stories with a point. The main point of this parable is the gospel. But it doesn't mean they don't have secondary lessons we can learn from them. So I'm going to look at a kind of the secondary lesson we can learn from this, but the main point is the gospel. You know the story. I won't even read the whole thing, but there was a, a man who had two sons. younger one wanted the father to give him his stuff. So he divided the property between them. And um, notice that the, the, the stay-home son got his stuff then, too. The younger son went off, wanted everything, it was terrible, came back home and said to his father, hey, I'm not worthy to be your son, I sinned against heaven and earth, just make me a servant, and the, the father threw a party, bring the best robe, so forth, so on. Then the, the, the stay-at-home son, the older son, was in the field work and he came home and he was very bothered that, the, the, that this brother was welcomed and back and honored like this, and he complain that I've been here with you all this time, slaving, never disobeying your orders, you never gave me a young goat. I could celebrate with my friends. And I'm thinking, well, he gave you half the young goats. You could have thrown your own party. But when the son of yours squandered his property, comes home, you kill the fatted cow. And the father said, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. But let's be celebrated. Let's celebrate because this brother of yours, who was dead and is alive again, was lost and found. So how did the father's leadership impact his son's lives what did he do in that story that was self-differentiating and you got you got to read between the lines a little bit but think about the prodigal son what did he do and not do that showed he was well differentiated anybody want to take a stab at it no right or wrong answer what did he not do with the prodigal son Any thoughts he didn't go rescue him the, fu- the son came back to him. He didn't go find him in the pig pen. Yeah. Good. He, he didn't tell him no. He was grown. I mean, he, he, he didn't take it personally. Yeah. Didn't seem to. I mean, he was sad, but didn't. This is, this is not on me. This is on him. Good. So what about the stay-at-home son? How was he self-differentiating with him? Any thoughts? He didn't throw him a party. Yeah. I mean, you've been here. Why am I going to throw you a party? And we've we got to have parties all the time. So what he, what he did was there, there was, by being self-differentiating, and again, reading between the lines here, this is about the gospel. First of all, there was something for the son to come back to. I mean, what if, what if, the, what if the father would have just said, oh, my life's a failure. I'm no good. And he, you know, he went and just started, you know, drinking away his sorrows. I mean, there's nothing for the son to come back to. He didn't get sucked into either the prodigal son or the stay-at-home son's emotions. And our God is is obviously a well-differentiated leader. He, He loves us, but he's the most individual, autonomous being in the universe. And so thinking about what this looks like in group life, if you... If, if you're in an unhealthy organization where you're, cr- where you're catering to the least emotionally uh, healthy person, it, it, it negatively impacts everyone, including the person being deferred to. And Friedman says, and, and, you, and I could probably ask for stories and you'd probably say, oh yeah, I've seen that many times, is in these unhealthy situations when people get at odds, two people get at odds with one another, they, instead of dealing with the conflict directly, when there's a break in a conflict, they try to rope in a, a third person, and maybe it's going to be the leader. And they're going to look for what they think is a poorly differentiated cell to latch onto. And the way they're going to do that is they're going to go, Oh, Trace, you're just so smart. Oh, you're so godly. You're just so good. And then they want to make their pitch. <laughs> they're going to flatter you. And you go, Wow, yeah, okay, yeah, how can I help? You know? Well, you can help by... By getting sucked into this mess, and leaders get stuck, and the the infection spreads, I've watched this happen um, in a church recently. So, this is not good for anybody. The differentiated leader is the emotional immune system of any organization, family, small group, company, you name it. And so, a differentiated leader influences others to take responsibility for themselves. You talked about how he didn't go chasing. The prodigal son, he was, he was ready to take him back when he came back. He also wasn't bitter. He didn't, like Lee said, he, he didn't seem to take it personally because when, when he came back, he said, yeah, okay, you're my son. Come back. Influences others take responsibility for themselves. They can tolerate other people's discomfort because it encourages them to take responsibility. What do you think about that? I mean, what does it even mean to tolerate other people's discomfort? Can you think of a, how would you, how would you restate that? Or how would you give an example of that? Give wait time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. In yeah. some groups, not small group like mm. it, but at work. Yes. Somebody, yep. Instead of uh, interrupting the silence when you ask them yep. to do something. Yep. Yep. That's a great example of, of tolerating discomfort is <laughs> so silence. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to ask someone a difficult question and they look at you and you want to give them the right answer what are some other ways that we have to tolerate people's discomfort not bailing them out at the time there's a challenge yeah not bailing them out yeah and that's that's hard to do because you guys are good people Mark you've probably I don't know if you've had to call someone out or but you've seen it where you know some subordinate or you Lay it on them, and then you send them packing and let them stew in it. You don't call them and go, you know, it'll be all right. You know, you—they need that discomfort for a while. In the long run, the, the differentiated leader's presence diffuses the anxiety in the organization, line for health. Just you being this differentiated person. Now realize, at first, if you're in a, a organization that's become unhealthy, or a small group, or a relationship then there's going to be attempts to sabotage. We'll talk about this. But in the long run, it's going to start defusing, making the thing more healthy. So Friedman says, and I agree, stress stress and burnout are not primarily because of overwork, but getting stuck in other people's problems. What do you think about that? Think that's right, not right? Partly right? What do you think? Josh, what do you think? I think it's 100% right. Yeah. 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 I've had pastor friends who I had a, a friend who's a pastor uh, who's a pastor in another denomination, and their retirement rate has gone down every year. the the, the age at which pastors retire is going down every year, and and um, they're burning out sooner and sooner and sooner. And when I ask him about kind of how they operate, well, how they operate is if you're a church, if you're pastoring a church in that denomination of 200 people, you have 200 bosses telling you what to do. That's how they operate. That's their philosophy of ministry. Hey, who would last very long <laughs> in that kind of a, of a setting? So, how do you stay connected with people but not get stuck in their problems? And what's the difference? Any thoughts? Remembering God so you want to yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Remembering good theology helps good anthropology. God is God and you're not going to be able to change him. So here's a well-differentiated leader. Influences others to take responsibility for themselves and not by fussing, but just by being connected and their faithful and faithful selves. They can tolerate other people's discomfort because it encourages them to take responsibility. So they see, again, not that you're wanting to create discomfort. That's, that's not a good thing. But you can tolerate people's discomfort without rescuing them And in the long run, the well-differentiated leader diffuses anxiety, allowing for health. And so one of the things Friedman says is, is, and this is is not necessarily going to be true in a group life, but it it may be. You may have, I do know some group leaders have experienced this. When this starts happening, especially people who are used to sucking people into their um, anxiety orbit, then there's going to be attempts at sabotage. And sabotage means you're heading in the right direction, and you just press on. You don't. You stay well differentiated. You don't become bitter, or angry. You go call them out, but but you don't get dismayed and say, um, "What's the use of leading these people?" Or what's the use of of leading people at all? Well, I'm gonna get sabotaged. Well, sabotage may happen, but when it does, you keep being this well differentiated person. And this is a and this, like everything we talk about, is it's a, a lifelong journey. It's not a place we're ever going to arrive. It's it's, it's to keep asking the question because in becoming differentiated leader, the answer is in asking the question. As long as we're asking the question, am I being faithful, my faithful self and connected to others in meaningful ways, if I'm asking that question, the answer is in the asking. Because it's a journey. If we stop asking the question, then we're more likely to get out of balance. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up, is because the answers in the asking, just like Jason and Lisa, they gave this, I think, I think it was the best mission presentation I've heard, and they didn't, they, they you guys left us in the discomfort <laughs> of some of it, you know, because you, I was thinking, okay, so if you were head of the IMB, what would you do, you know, and, and what would you do, by the way, Jay? I'll ask you later, and, um, but they the stuff we can know, they told us, and other stuff, there's no, clear answer it's just something to wrestle with and so this is a a lifelong journey so let's talk about this Um, it's a big topic but this idea of being well differentiated and I don't care if you use that terms or not but it's really important that we latch on to this idea idea of be faithful anybody know Galatians 110 that am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God if I'm trying to win the approval of men, I'm, not a, a, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. And so to me, on the biblical side, this, the autonomous side is, is not being a people pleaser. And then on the be connected side is everything the Bible says about love and laying your life down, Philippians 2. So combining, combining Galatians 1 with Philippians 2 is a well-differentiated leader. And as you look at the life of Christ, how did he do that? You know, how did he... I mean, sometimes he's like, uh, sell everything. No, okay, buy. And other times he's going after and getting them. You know, what's the difference? It will depend on the circumstances and what needed to happen. So how does this apply to your, think about how this applies to your role as a, as a mentor, as a leader. You're a mentor. How do you help those you're mentoring catch this? How will this help them in, all aspects of their lives. How do you think about helping the people that you lead and the people, specifically, if you're in LA and you're mentoring someone in the group or you're a leader mentoring in LA or whatever, how do you help them think about how this applies to all aspects of their lives? What are the potential implications for it? So we're gonna do some, I'm gonna have you guys do some work here in a minute. So this whole thing about we, well differentiated is a part of healthy thinking. And this is all a part of the, the pillars of health or the pillars of res- resiliency that we've talked about a lot here. And the physical, social, mental, and spiritual. And as a leader, you're we talked about this at the at the kickoff, as a leader, you have to do self-aid in order to do buddy care. So you've got to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. And if you go down, you're not helping people. And so you have to pay attention to all these areas. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be high in every one of them, but you've got to pay attention to all of them because the one you don't pay attention to is probably the one that's going to impact the rest of them. And so it's about just being faithful, being faithful in those different domains. And so this idea of, of being well-differentiated, we're talking... To, we're talking about leadership, paying attention to how we think about our thinking. How do, we, and how do we ask the right questions about our thinking? Because very often, very often we just assume what we're thinking is right. Very often. Unless we really get in dire situations. Most time we just sort of trust and believe our thoughts. Part of what we need to do is learn to question our thinking Not, and if you're a a chronic self-doubter, that's not what I mean, but even chronic self-doubters tend to believe their self-doubts, so I'm talking about questioning your thinking in a healthy and appropriate way, and so here's a, um, here's applying this into, here's applying the idea of being well-differentiated and thinking about your thinking into some scenarios. So you have a trigger, activating event, and and this is a language of trauma, or addiction. So I'm not talking about trigger-like trauma or addiction. I'm talking about Jim walks in and says, Hey, Terry, um, someone left the lights on. I mean, something just innocuous. Or someone in my group says, That doesn't make any sense. Why'd you ask it like that? Or my group stares at me and doesn't say anything. Anything, any innocuous triggering events. So don't think trauma, don't think addiction. And then what, what happens is immediately the thoughts that follow What do you you say say to yourself? So as you're thinking about your thinking, how do I become a more well-differentiated leader? Applying this in real situations, something happens. And then when something happens, you have thoughts that follow. And what are the thoughts? The mother of all all thinking errors is jumping to conclusions. So we tend to jump to conclusions. And when we jump to conclusions, we're almost always wrong. Mind reading is kind of right behind jumping to conclusions. We think we know what's in their mind or what their intent was. And then the the other three biggies are me, 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 making this, my thoughts, or how do I, I'm making this about me, which is going to make us miss stuff. Them, 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 making it all about them, or always, 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 kind of making everything into this is always what you do. This is always what's happened. So what are the thoughts that follow? And then the consequences are the emotions that follow those thoughts and then the reactions of what we do so here's where I want you to um, get out a piece of paper or get out a welcome card and a pen if you would and, and think about your thinking and this is just this is an exercise and I'm not trying to get you to learn a model I'll, I'll give you two models I'm not trying to get you to learn a model and I'll tell you again the whole purpose of this is for us to think about our thinking and to be able to, to instead of just be rolled like you're standing on the beach and here comes this thought it rolls us and, tr- and churns up our emotions and our actions, learn to surf that same wave and go, okay, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling, and here's what I'm doing. So this, is a, this model is you have an activating event. And again, it's, this is not the language of trauma or addiction. It's just something happens, you name it. And I, I'll, I'll walk you through mine and I'll give you something and you'll go, man Terry, you're pretty petty. Okay, well that's exactly right. So I'll give you mine. So you have activating event, then you have your thoughts and then the consequences of your thoughts are you feel something and you do something often. And then often there's a following thought after that happens. You feel something, do something and so on. So here's my activating event. You ready? This is big trauma. Christy came in a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Christy knows it's going to be about me. Christy came in a couple weeks ago and she cooked dinner and, gone, and left. And normally when that happens, I do the dishes. She's gone for the evening. She came home. And I was in the other room working on something. And she just basically, you know, here, here's, here's the initial thing I heard. You didn't do the dishes. Here's what actually happened. Huh, the dishes are still here. That's what actually happened. But what I heard first was you didn't do the dishes. So that's the activating event. Pretty petty. So my thoughts... My first thoughts was, I didn't do the dishes because I was working on your computer. <laughs> uh, mind reading, self-pity, self-righteous. My emotions were defensive. So the fight or flight kicked in. For me, it's never flight, it's always fight. And then, um, <laughs> and so the response was, why are you asking me that? That was my response. Why are you asking me that? And so then my next thought and this all happens pretty quickly, like boom, 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 is she's not grateful, never mind the fact that she didn't know I was working on a computer and she was just asking, she was just making an observation. Christy tends to, at home, at least think it, say it. So this was just basically her, huh, you know. So my emotion was self-justification, unappreciated. And then I said, I was working on your computer. You know, wait, you know like here's my back, pat me on the back. And then my next thought, which happened pretty quickly, because it fortunately kicked in pretty quick, is, Terry, you are being stupid. That was my next thought. My emotions were calmed down. And then my, my reaction was, okay, so why did you ask that? And so it, it didn't turn into a big deal. I mean, it, was, it all went away pretty quick. But my, my point is, this kind of stuff happens all the time. All the time. And these activating events lead to thoughts, lead to emotions and reactions. And if we don't, and I didn't sit down and get out this chart that night. But my, my whole point of this is, as leaders, we have to think about our thinking. And I don't mean evaluate, and please don't get out a chart at home and, and start doing this to your spouse or whatever, or your roommate. But just learn to evaluate your own thinking. So think about uh, an activating event, and it could be in your group could be at work could be at home and walk yourself through this process maybe i am not going to make anybody walk us through it but if somebody wants to volunteer they can i already I already gave you my pet example so so go ahead and do it spend spend a few minutes think about an event thoughts emotions reactions maybe then follow one thought you can go three deep or two deep or whatever you want to do okay let's go ahead and do some thinking about our thinking You can keep working if you want. Anybody want to volunteer? Everybody starts looking down. Anybody want to volunteer? to get, Just walk us through this? Jim, yeah, stand, stand up and walk <laughs> us through it. So, <laughs> gosh, mine just happened. So, <laughs> Terry walked. Uh-oh. I don't get to be an activating event. So, here,
1: here's a, the activating event. This is so good. <laughs> Paper the is out in the men's ba- bathroom. And immediately, my response was self-defense because I I'm, uh, it was emotional. Ooh, I'm not doing my job. <laughs> I'm the building line. I'm supposed to make sure that stuff is filled. And so then my reaction was, well, my cleaning lady was sick, <laughs> and so she wasn't here and didn't get it done. And then down another layer was, well, that's a really stupid thing to say because I had a clean person on Saturday and it just didn't get done. And then I think that I actually did do the, wait a minute, Jim, this is stupid. Just go change the paper towel and get it done. That's mine.
0: Yeah, good, good. Glad 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 to trigger you. Anybody else have any... I'll, I'll tell you why this is important. And, and does anybody else have one they want to share? A little process? I have one, I guess. Okay. good good yeah a great example of, of this is this is common and to be to become more well differentiated which some of you are really good at this is 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 putting up um, appropriate kind of stops in our in our thinking you know so you can't help what you can't help necessarily emotional reaction you, can, you can't always help the first thought that pops in your mind. But what are some scripture about what we're to do with thoughts? You don't have to give me the chapter and verse. What are some scripture about what we do with thoughts? Take them captive and make them obey, Christ, make them obedient to Christ. So we, we have responsibility to take thoughts captive, which is assuming we have rogue thoughts. And we have to, we have to re- rein them in. You know, set your mind on things above, so forth. So... Any, anybody else want to throw one out before we do some other application? I will. Okay. I've had a couple this week that, like, this is really good language and vocabulary for
1: me. This person doesn't even go to the river, so small group people don't think it's huge. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good. Good example. So um, if, if, you, if you think about being well differentiated, and hopefully you guys, we, I, can, I can find another term for that. It's a very clumsy term, but I think it's a good one. You know, connected but not a people pleaser. If you think about that, um, what, are, what, are, what are implications and applications for leading? How, how important is that? How have you seen that? not worked out at work or wherever. And then, um, so let's stop with that first. How, how does well differentiated as a leader, how do you see it as being important? How, Josh, you mentioned a little bit, but how have you seen that be important in your line of work? How have you seen it not done well? Give us some examples. Can you stand up with your mind? This would just cause cancer mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Yeah, great example of that triangulation. So, what about group life? Where have you seen um, where have you seen this to be important? Where have you seen where maybe you struggle with it, cause problems? Any examples from group life specifically? And we won't quote you. Non-attribution in here. You don't don't use anybody's name, but you can use your group. Anybody think of a situation? I'll give you a minute. I'll try to let you be uncomfortable. Okay. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of like being connected, but then this person I was talking to was trying not to rescue or tell them they're bad or whatever, but figure out the right way to walk with them, but also had emotion
0: about this thing that was happening. That's good. Very good. Thank you. Any other example? Because in my, in my estimation, you guys are differentiated leaders. You are healthy leaders, and, but this is, about, this is not about we need to become this. I, I feel like we are this, but we want to get better. So don't hear this like this is the f- deficiency. I feel like this is something that is a proficiency <laughs> that we want to keep getting better at for the glory of God and the good of others. So it can be a good story. Yes, Lisa. Hmm. well that's a, that's a super good point and so the, the the two pastors i met with the last two weeks they didn't have a clear vision they were getting sucked in by the people around them and getting torn and they were burned out and ready to quit and so great great um perspective is if you you can't be well differentiated if you don't even know what it is, you're, who it is you're supposed to be, who God's called you to be. So we, as, as from in a group leader's perspective, we work a lot on the four M's. <laughs> you know, here's, here's what we want you to be proficient is, what you focus on. If someone comes in and says, I want this from group life, you go, well, that's not what we, we do. I mean, this is what we're going to do. And not that that's bad, we're just not doing that. And so, really good point, a key part of being well-differentiated is have a clear vision in mind of who it is God's called you to be what he's called you to do. Great point. Anybody else? I was just going to say, groups that I have
1: been in um, that have really clear boundaries make me feel really safe. Mm-hmm. So I think boundaries, well-differentiated leaders are good at boundaries, even the time of, like, you start this
0: And, like, always knowing what to expect mm-hmm. feels really safe. That's good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, I've, you know, here... It, over the years, I've jokingly told Rodney, you know, we're going to have to get everybody their own thermostat, everybody their own headset, and, and everybody their own um, rheostat for the lights so they can have their own temperature, sound, and light. <laughs> So what we do is we just say, okay, we have a thermostat, and we just set it and trust it, you know. And, and we have, a, for years, we had a decibel meter, and, every, and when, when the, the one person who was always too loud for my dad, when he would come, <laughs> I'd say, we, we, we go by science. Here it is. This number is what we go by. Because I've got people saying, it's not loud enough. And it's too loud. So part of it is just having a clear vision and, and smiling. I mean, hopefully saying it with a smile. But, um, but being confident. So how does this, um, as you think about this, and being like in your situation, as you think about this, Everybody's going to have emotions, and that's good. Everybody's going to have thoughts, and everybody's going to have reactions. But how do we train ourselves to very quickly uh, evaluate our thoughts? How do we train ourselves to put up appropriate um, yield or stop signs uh, between what we feel and what we do? This is super important, and we need to be growing in this and we we could we could I could I mean, we did a bible study this morning on James and that's important next pretty soon we could get everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry we could just do a bible study on that passage and it would be this how do you become quick to quick to listen slow to speak slow to become angry how do you put up those those very how do you how do you learn to put those stops up quicker one of my goals with Christy is I, I I'm never going to become perfect in my emotions and reactions but I want to back up that reaction time a lot. So, what are some things that work for you as you have become who you are as a as a, as a leader? Scott, I'm a pick on you. I told you I wouldn't pick on anybody, but I'm pick on you. You just got you 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 lead a lot of people in a lot of spun up, a uh, sp- lot of spun up situations. Uh, what do you do?
1: So uh, intentionally hit pause um, and then consider how do I want to respond instead so of how I want to react. So that that <laughs> reaction. On the blacklist in my company, we can talk about responding and then thinking about am I playing a role that's in drama, like victim or something like that, or am I playing a role that's empowering others and then intentionally showing up and empowering?
0: So, what does it look like to hit pause? How have you trained yourself to do that? Are you talking about a minute, a second, or what what does it look like? It definitely depends on the situation, but I, I have a pause button on my desk, and a lot of leaders in my company.
1: To their laptops or, or whatever, and so depending on how, how severely I'm triggered or what this situation <laughs> is, it could take time, but what I really want to do is ask myself a question that's going to make me think, so I'm not feeling, and I'm going to ask that person a question, so they're going to think instead of reacting emotionally as
0: well. Very good. So is anybody, I know you have, but if anybody be willing to, in a group, you, you mentioned... Um, mentioned about how someone in group maybe, or can you think of a time when someone in group has said something and it's really kind of nerve-wracking to hit pause in group when they're staring at you. What does it look like? How do you, how do, you do that? How have you done that? What's it, can you give a situation in group life where maybe it's something like that's happened, where you've hit pause? Anybody think of one recently? Sometimes a pause can be really, really quick. Sometimes it needs to be long. Sometimes the pause is tied into letting people sit in their discomfort as you just look at them and try to formulate your thoughts. Some of you, I've told Scott and Trey some about this experience. But I had a young man come up to me about a month ago, never been to a River before that I knew of, and he walked over and introduced himself to me, and the first thing he said was, um, I like to stir things up. That's the first thing he said. And so I hit pause for 1,001, 1,002. <laughs> and then I said, is that because you're arrogant? And he, he backed up and said, no, um, I try to bring people together. 1,001, 1,002. <laughs> I said, well, are you assuming we're not together? Because we are. And then he backed up again. Anyway, I, 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 I said it with I said it with a smile, no animosity, and I pat him on the shoulder. I said, look, I, I get it. I used to be like that. I said, but this is not going to help you. You know, just be, leading with your insecurity is not going to help you. You're going to be okay. And anyway, he, he's been back for a month. Evidently, he's come to Christ in the last few weeks. He brought his parents to church. So I didn't run him off, but, but sometimes a pause can be, be very, very quickly. And I'm not – and, and this, this is never – to say that you don't say hard things to people. Because what, what he did say to his credit at the end of our short conversation, uh, well, he, I pat him on the back and I said, you said you like to stir things up and I like to be honest. And he said, sometimes honesty can be love. And I said, yeah, sometimes it can be. So here's the, here's the last thing we'll look at. And it's, a, it's you, know, you may have seen this before. I think it's from the, I, I got this from the um, Army resiliency training. It's, I think, from the University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, they have this, um, uh, they help do the Army's training on resiliency. And there's a million models like this. It doesn't, if your company's got one, if James, if your organization has one, doesn't really matter what it is. It just, again, our whole point today, and I hope you get this, is not to memorize terms or models, but to think about your thinking and to be proactive in thinking about your thinking and your responding and to be a leader who's growing, growing, growing. And this ideal model is, is the, the I is identify and understand the problem, to think well. And, and that's underlined because that one's all by yourself, that's what you do yourself. And this could, this could be some big problem, it could be something that you're about to talk to someone in your group, or a subordinate in your workplace, or whatever, but this, this, this model has to do with dealing with, like what Marcy talked about, when there was something going on that needed to be addressed, and not just shoved under the carpet. So the I, the I, the I part can, can be you. It can be a minute, an hour, a day, where you're thinking about and understanding the problem. You're trying to think well about it. What's really going on here? And then the, the D is where you try to describe the problem objectively and, uh, and accurately as you can with that person. You know, what, the who, what, when, where... And then the E-A-L, these can happen in any order. There's no order to this. The only order is that the I is where you're trying to do this by yourself. Or, you, you invite a friend in to, to help you think about it. If you can do that in a way that's confidential or whatever. But you're, you're doing the I all by yourself. And then you can do E-A-L in any order. It doesn't matter. You could, you could start off, like in, in a situation, you go, I need to list the positive outcomes that are going to occur if this person makes a change so you know to, to you guys you know hey look you, you, you know people are gonna you're shutting people down if you if you'll just stop doing that this will happen the list the positive outcomes you could ask a person for their perspective ask for a reasonable next step um, and and so there's no order to this and this could happen like i said in a short period of time a long period of time but the um this to see this as it really is this is showing love to people and I'm and I'm talking about people in who are doing disruptive things in group or doing disruptive things in their life and you have some authority or um, you have some level of of um, respect by them will listen to you the this model or something like it where you're thinking about the problem accurately and Marcy took the time to kind of extract herself from it a little bit because she immediately was sucked in with the emotions and then you thought about what is really going on here and then you walk through that 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 process of trying to get to some kind of positive outcome for the person there are people around who are just gonna be hard heads they're gonna just um, buck you at every turn they're the they're the vast majority minority most people are going to respond, not initially, but most people are going to respond to loving correction, loving involvement in their lives. Most people are. You can't measure in the moment, because in the moment they may look at you and you're going to look like that didn't go well or they're angry at me. But most people do. The reason why they're in your group is not to disrupt it. Most people are in your group because they want to grow. They want to get better. So we're going to take the last few minutes and let you, um, if you're here with your leader assistant or if you're here, um, if your leader assistant's is not here, you can grab a buddy or your spouse and talk about what would it look like in your life to, to, to grow in next steps. What do I need to do to become more well differentiated? Do I need to get a better vision for my, for my calling, my vision? Do I need to pay more attention to and pray more about being a people pleaser? Do I need to not be more reactive? But think about some specific growth, growth steps that you could ask your, your buddy to help you with or your, whoever you're sitting with. Um, let's do that for about five minutes so we can talk about this. If you don't want to do that, if you want to just think about it, then what you can do, and we're not going to think you're antisocial or mad, get up and go sit by yourself, which means I want to think about this. So just give me some space. I don't know if anybody likes to do that. But if you do, that's fine. Maybe you just want to process it yourself. But let's take just a few minutes to do that, and then we'll close with prayer. So go for it. Talk about next steps, personally.